You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to have you here once again. And uh, throughout this month, if you haven't been with us, we are going through a series called Questioning Jesus. And Jesus was the master at asking questions. And sometimes we can be really good at asking questions. And, and I don't know where your background's uh, from or where you come from, but sometimes we can be told in church, like, questions aren't uh, important. It's just a matter of believing, as you saw in that video. But uh, Jesus engaged questions. And, and what we're doing throughout this month is we're walking through the Gospels and looking at some of the questions Jesus asked and how they connect with the questions we ask. And you know, one of the things that's amazing is how much our surroundings shape our perception of an experience. So I'll give you an example. If I came up here in a nice suit and tie and uh, stood behind a big pulpit and preached at you, the message I share, while the words might be the same, might be received differently than, than what they are. See, uh, here at Calvary, this is why we're so intentional about everything we do. You know, you might wonder uh, why do they have a table up there, not a pulpit maybe or a podium like you see in some churches or why isn't the pastor wearing a suit and tie like I do in some churches? Because this is why. Because we really believe that the word of God should be accessible and that it's not about uh, a cleric speaking from an ivory tower but about connecting God's word with where we sit and what we walk through. That's intentional. Why? Because we're, we understand that environment shapes our perception. Environment shapes our understanding of things. Uh, and, and you see, our perception is reality so often because of our environment. That is, unless something we know to be true first shapes our understanding of that environment. Now, I'll give you an example. You know, well, many of us have that favorite food our mom or grandma or another relative makes. I'm sure you could think about that. Uh, We'll try to wrap this up so you can go eat because you're probably getting hungry now. But uh, maybe it's their apple pie or, or how they cook their turkey at Thanksgiving or a certain side dish or, or, or dessert or cookie that they make. Uh, for me, it's my mom's mashed potatoes. I could eat a giant bowl of my mom's mashed potatoes anytime, any day, all day. I love my mom's mashed potatoes. Uh, now, as much as I love them, I'll be honest, there have been a few times where, you know, they were not up to par. Where, you know, my mom's missing an ingredient or something happened and, and just not all there. And I suffered through that dinner with those subpar mashed potatoes. Uh, maybe you've been there before, you know, your grandma disappoints you on Thanksgiving because the apple pie isn't quite as good as it usually is or something like that. Uh, but uh, in those moments, uh, while I suffered through it, uh, and it wasn't my favorite thing, I didn't let that bad experience shape the, the view, perspective I had of my mom's mashed potatoes, as simple as this might be, because I knew my mom's mashed potatoes are really amazing. So while in that moment I had this experience that was negative, that was difficult, that, you know, I suffered through it, it was so hard, and I'm just downing that water every time I take a bite, and I don't know how I made it, but I'm here to tell you I have a story and a testimony. I made it through that dinner. Um, I, I, keep, I still eat my mom's mashed potatoes, even after that bad experience, because I know something to be true that supersedes what I experienced in that moment. 
My mom's mashed potatoes are amazing. And, and there, are, there are things that we all walk through. See, the truth is, I knew something that shaped my experience rather than my experience shaping something I knew. And, and this is a simple idea I want to share with you today, that what we know to be true can shape what we feel is true. What we know to be true can shape what we feel is true. Uh, more often than not, that gets backwards. What we feel is true becomes something we know to be true. The problem is that's not a real uh, dependable approach. And, and for you, maybe it's a friend who acts out of character because they've, they're having a bad day and you don't hold it against them because you ultimately know what is true about your relationship with them. Or, or for you, maybe it's a bad experience at your favorite store or favorite restaurant or a difficult moment at work. And, and these are moments that can cause us to make significant changes in, in our way of life or even the place, our place of employment. And the times you don't actually make those changes are, are times that you don't because difficult experience or difficult moments run contrary to a truth you know about that person, that place, that job, that experience. Something you know that supersedes what you're experiencing, what you're ultimately feeling. And, and this happens all the time in our lives. Something either happens to us that shapes our entire day or experience. You wake up and you have a bad hair day, so the rest of your day is bad. Or, or you wake up and, and you hit red lights the whole way to work, so consequently it's going to be a bad day. Something happens that shapes the rest of our experience, or the opposite happens. There's a truth that we hold on to, something that, a conviction or a belief that shapes even the difficult experiences that we have. And, and it's either our knowledge shaping our experience or our experience shaping our knowledge. In the first century, this was a concept that Jesus was working to teach his disciples. He worked really hard to teach his disciples this because he knew what was up ahead for their lives. And, and, and one of the greatest lessons Jesus ever taught wasn't in a classroom. It was actually out on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm. Now, let me give you a little background context to this story before we jump into it. Jesus and his disciples had just come off of a very draining season of ministry. Uh, earlier in Matthew chapter 14, which we're going to be talking about, and Matthew is the first book uh, in the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible. In, in the early part of Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, uh, Jesus receives this difficult news that his cousin, a guy named John the Baptist, his cousin had been beheaded by King Herod. Now, as, as would be true for anyone receiving news like that from a, about a relative, Jesus was troubled. This bothered him. And, and he was going to withdraw. So he had been doing ministry. They had been with people, helping heal people, teach and all of this and in, in front of crowds. And Jesus says to his disciples, let's, let's retreat. Let's go to a kind of a remote place and, and spend some time processing what's taking place. So they retreat. They go to a remote place. The problem is he was Jesus. People wouldn't just let him retreat and go to a remote place. They discovered where he was going and they meet him there. I blame Peter for tweeting where they were going because everyone knows he was good at that, okay? Um, either way, these crowds of people show up in this remote place where Jesus and his disciples are trying to kind of get alone. And as they show up, Jesus does what he does, and he stands and he starts teaching. The problem is they didn't have any food. And, and this difficult moment would set up one of the greatest miracles Jesus ever performed. Uh, they're in this remote place. He's teaching. It's late in the day. There's no food. There's no giant eagle. There's, there's no Walmart. There's nothing to get food. So 
Jesus, uh, the disciples, find this young boy has some fish and bread. So with a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish, Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. Remarkable. It was the greatest fish fry the world has ever known, and churches continue to follow that tradition to this day. <laughs> Hopefully you got to enjoy some of that this Friday, last Friday. Um, this was amazing. Then Jesus, after all, this amazing miracle, Jesus sends his disciples across the Sea of Galilee so that he can get time by himself to pray and process everything. So the disciples go out in the boat, and, and a number of the disciples had been fishermen, so uh, going on a boat was a, uh, something that they were familiar with and something they were good at. So uh, the disciples sail across the Sea of Galilee that evening. At about three or four in the morning, a huge storm comes up on them. And this was something that was common in the Sea of Galilee. Storms would come across that sea frequently. And, and this storm is so bad, the waves are beating against the boat. <laughs> the waves are crashing over the side of the boat. They didn't know if they were going to make it to the other side. They were worried. They were concerned. Uh, and, and in the midst of this scary, overwhelming experience, they see this mysterious figure off in the distance. Now, remember, it's three or four in the morning. They're exhausted. They're tired. Uh, they're they're uh, scared. They immediately think it's a ghost coming at them over the water. This, of course, didn't calm their nerves, but made things even worse than they already were. I could just hear Thomas, the disciple, screaming out in the middle of the you know, driving rain, the waves crashing. I think it's a zombie apocalypse. We're all going to die. And they're all freaking out. And they're all worried. And they don't know what's going to happen. And just as they're ready to like throw in the towel, give up, they don't know what's going to happen, they hear a familiar voice coming toward them. And the familiar voice said this. It's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 27. It says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And it was Jesus. It, he was literally walking on the water. Talk about a surprise. Even though they had seen Jesus do a lot of different miracles, this had to have gone down as one of the most memorable experiences they had with Jesus. Jesus, in the middle of a storm, is literally walking on the water, and he calls out to them. Peter then stands up and makes a pretty bold request, even for Peter. Peter made some bold requests. If you read the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Peter made a lot of big, bold requests. <laughs> outstanding requests. This, was, this would go up there as one of the top. Here's what it says in verse 28. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, normal human being sees someone walking across the water like you've had that experience before. Um, <laughs> you don't say, I want to try that. <laughs> That's not normal, you know. Peter's like, Call, why, why don't you let me come out in the water? And Jesus just says one word. He just says, come. And that's all Peter needed to hear. And, and Peter does what, what normally would be unthinkable. He steps out of a perfectly good boat into the raging waters of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, on normal terms, this would be a death wish. But, but not when Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, God in the flesh, when Jesus says, come, you come. And he steps out of the boat. And in that moment, Peter becomes only the second human being ever to walk on water, second to Jesus. And he starts stepping toward Jesus. Then something 
something else captures his attention. In, in verse 30 of Matthew 14, here's what it says. But when he saw, can you say this with me? But when he saw, we'll try that one more time. But when he saw the wind, can you say this with me too? He was afraid. One more time. He was afraid. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He saw something that brought fear into his heart, into his mind. Have you ever had that happen? You see something, you kind of catch your breath, you're frightened, you're scared, something happens in front of you, something happens in life. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He was worried. Now, backtrack, just to kind of rehash this again. Peter was in a, a good boat. It was, you know, floating. It might have been, had waves crashing, but it was floating. <clears throat> he was in a perfectly good boat. There's no evidence that it was breaking apart or damaged or anything like that. He was in a good boat. He sees Jesus walking across the water, and then he cries out to Jesus, if that's you, Jesus, let me come out to you. And Jesus says, come. So that's kind of what we just talked about. Peter gets out of the perfectly good boat into the raging waters of the Sea of Galilee, and he starts walking toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he's all of a sudden afraid. You know, sometimes God calls us to things. You know, at the beginning of this year, we were talking about breakthrough. Maybe God put something in your heart. Like this year, this is going to be the year that this happens. This is going to be the year I step out. This is going to be the year that I'm going to see something significant happen in my life. This is the year I'm going to see progress in my life. And, and, and we're obedient, and God tells us, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And we step out in faith. Maybe it's going on a mission trip. Maybe it's joining a group. Maybe, maybe it's starting a new business. Maybe it's going back to school. Whatever it might be, you've taken that step of faith. And you're like, God, I'm going to step out of this perfectly comfortable, safe boat. And I'm going to be obedient because you said come. And I'm going to step out of the water, onto the water. I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to be obedient. And then we step out of the water and we see the wind. And we're afraid. And you know what goes through our minds in that moment? Why did I step out of the boat? What was I thinking? I'm such an idiot. Why didn't I just stay in the boat? It was perfectly good. There was no reason to step out of the boat. That was pointless. I just wasted all that energy and time. And now I'm disappointed and I'm going to die because I'm in... On top of water. You don't stand on top of water. And this is what's going through Peter's mind. Why did he do this? Remember, though, second human being ever to walk on water. I mean, that, you can put that, like, there's probably some hall of fame for that. I don't know. Maybe it's floating out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. I'm not sure. But, I mean, that's remarkable. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And it goes on. And he began to sink. He's afraid and he begins to sink now. He's walking in water, now he's sinking. This is where things go poor. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Of course, Lord, save me. He's walking in water, staring at Jesus, and then his attention shifts from the one that's actually in front of him to the one, to, to, uh, the one who called him out into the water to what he was feeling and experiencing around him. Now, you think about this. It says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Have any of you ever seen wind before? None of us, you can't see wind, really. You can see the effects of wind, but wind is, you know, it's wind. It's like a force. It's clear, so to speak. You don't see when you feel wind. For Peter, the feeling of the wind and the waves and all that's crashing around him brought fear into his heart, into his life. And this is what happens so often in our lives. What we feel defines our reality as opposed to what we know to be true. 
we step out, we're obedient, we do that, that thing, whatever it might be that God's called us to. And fear starts to set in. I can't tell you how many mission trips I've gone on. And I sign up, or I've talked to people who've gone on a mission trip, they sign up, put your deposit down. And like a week later, or the next day, or even when they get home, they think, what have I done? Why did I do that? I can't go, I can't go to Africa, or, or, or wherever you're going, Philadelphia, or, or Alaska, or, well, like, I can't do that. What, what was I thinking? This fear sets in. What we're feeling starts to define our reality if we're not careful. This is what was happening for Peter. In, in verse 31 of, of Matthew 14, here's what takes place. Immediately, and I love the word use of, of, of language here by Matthew. Uh, he doesn't, like Jesus doesn't just sit there and be like, man, Peter, this is what you asked for, okay? You know, you wanted to come out to the water, and then you get distracted by the wind and the waves. You, sh- you deserve to sink in the water. I'm going to let you stay under there for a few seconds just to teach you a lesson. I'll give you like two Mississippi, then I'll come after you. It says immediately, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. And here's the question. Throughout this month, we're talking about the questions of Jesus. Here's the question. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, Jesus here isn't criticizing Peter's spiritual maturity or his actions. What Jesus was doing in asking this question was challenging Peter for letting his feelings define his beliefs as opposed to letting what he knew to be true to define his feelings. The faith Jesus is talking about here doesn't deny the existence of problems or difficulties, but it denies the hold it has on our heart and our mind because what we know to be true can shape what we feel is true. And, and please hear what Jesus is saying here. He, he isn't saying to ignore, to suppress, or to overlook those emotions or feelings. This is part of who we are, how God ultimately made us. If you see throughout Christ's life, he showed emotion. He exemplified emotion. It's allowing, though, our understanding to shape our emotion and our feelings. And what we feel can be so subjective based on our environment that it can easily cause us to jump onto this roller coaster of ever-changing feelings and circumstances, rather than finding stability in the truth we hold on to and that we know ultimately is constant. And maybe you've had doubts before about your faith. You know, maybe, maybe you have doubts now, you have questions. Maybe you've had questions about yourself. The goal of this entire series isn't to hide from those questions, but rather to talk about them. Doubts will never be overcome if you can't voice them and work through them. If, if, if the, the idea is you have a question, you have a doubt, suppress it, hide it, act like it isn't there, and it will go away. That's like, uh, that's like saying to a toddler, I'm going to ignore them and act like they are not there. I'm going to walk into the other room. You know what will happen? You're going to walk back into that room and like a bomb has gone off. And it could be anything. It could be yogurt. It could be paint. It could be glue. Who knows what's going off? Doing that doesn't result in a better outcome, but a worse outcome. Looking at your doubts and your questions, that's a part of humanity. We should dive into those, talk about them, voice them. Here's why. Because your doubts, your doubts can become the door to your destiny. Your questions are very important, really valid. It's how your brain was made. Your brain was the process thing. God made your brain to ask questions. That's how you learn. 
And if you never dive into your doubts and your questions, you'll never find what God has on the other side. Your doubts can become your, the door to your destiny if and only if you're willing to explore what's ultimately behind those doubts. In this story, Peter's momentary doubt was based on a fear of his surroundings. It might be about faith or it might be about your future. What, what's behind your doubts, your questions, your uncertainties? It might be about a relationship or your job, your ability to be successful in life. Whether or not you'll, you'll be a good parent or even if anyone even cares about you. We have all these questions and these doubts. These are all valid questions that have a lot of emotion and feelings wrapped up in them. But what's ultimately behind your questions? What's behind them? Is it your feelings or is it your understanding? Because what we know to be true can shape what we feel is true. And today I want to challenge you to dive into your doubts, to explore your questions. Here at Calvary, we aren't afraid of doubts or questions, even about faith. In fact, I think the exploration of those things can be one of the healthiest things you can do. You know, this month, we've been highlighting this book called The Case for Christ by, by Lee Strobel. The reason we're highlighting that is because it, it follows his journey of doing that very thing, of, of journeying through his doubts, his questions, a man that, that denounced faith in Christ, and he dove in, did the research. And sometimes following someone else's journey can help us in our own journey. You see, questions and doubts are normal reactions to abnormal circumstances in life. For Peter, who would go on to be one of the prominent leaders in the early church, this moment of doubting didn't hold him back, but recognizing the source of those doubts allowed him to ultimately step into his destiny. As the worship team comes today, you know, history tells us that Peter would not only become a leader in the early church, but he would go on to write two letters to the churches in the five provinces of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. He, he would uh, eventually uh, start new, new churches, perform miracles that he had once, once watched, watched Jesus do. He did all of this in the face of incredible persecution that would eventually lead to Peter being crucified as Christ was, only upside down. And if you read the stories of history, Peter would be sentenced to be crucified, and he didn't consider himself worthy enough to die in the same way Jesus died on a cross. So he asked of those ready to kill him if they could hang his cross upside down. And dying through crucifixion on a cross is, is most, the most excruciating, painful way to die. To do so upside down magnifies it. This is how Peter met the end of his life. No, no one would accomplish these things, writing letters that would become books of the Bible, healing the sick, starting churches, being a leader in the early church, all while knowing the threat to lose your life or be imprisoned at any moment, is hanging over your head. No one would accomplish these things in, such, in the midst of such excruciating pain if their feelings dictated their perception of reality. Peter, diving into his questions and doubts, became the key to him moving forward. Today, I want to challenge you to not get stuck in your doubts. Your doubts are okay. You're not less spiritual or less loved by God because you have questions. But don't get stuck in them. Dig into them. Dive into them. 
Explore those doubts, those questions, because your doubts can become the door to your destiny. What, What God created you to do, what you were put on this earth to accomplish, the fingerprint God designed you to leave on this earth will often be hiding behind your doubts, behind your questions. Because what we know to be true can shape what we feel is true. And you will accomplish nothing significant. You will accomplish nothing significant in your life without questions, without opposition and difficulty. The truth of what God's word says about you and what you're experiencing is the overarching truth that can keep you moving forward toward the destiny God created you to experience. Your doubts can ultimately become the door to your destiny. Don't shy away from those. Dive into those. Look for answers. Pursue those questions. Those are healthy, healthy pursuits. And and today, maybe you're here and you're in the beginning of that journey. Find find someone that that maybe is spiritually mature, whether that's a pastor here or one of our group leaders or, or, or someone that maybe invited you to church. Find someone that you know is spiritually mature and Dive into those doubts and questions. If you're on the other end of that, don't, don't, don't uh, uh, push those people aside. Be willing. Maybe you don't have the answers. Be willing to help them find the answers. It's such an important process in our journey of faith. Maybe you're at the beginning stage of that. Maybe for some of you today, you've been on that journey for a while as you've been diving into those questions and those doubts. And, and for you today, it's not about diving into doubts. It's about making a decision. You know, at at some point, as you pursue the questions and the doubts, as you'll see with Lee Strobel in in his book, at some point, you get to this place where you have to make a decision. That you'll never have all of the answers, but you have enough to make a choice. To say, I'm going to choose Jesus. I'm, I'm going to commit my life to him. At some point, your, your questions and your doubts cross over to commitments. Some of you who are married, you've made that process. You have questions and doubts about this potential future spouse, and, and those questions were answered enough to say, I'm going to commit my life to them. I'm going to marry them. We've done this in a job. You know, you've had questions and doubts about a job that you're going to accept or, or turn down, and, and enough of your questions are answered, and you say, I'm going to commit to this company, and I'm going to, I'm going to accept an offer. I'm going to be employed here. This is what God wants to do for you. And maybe you've been on that journey for a while and today is a day to make a decision. And I don't want to rush past this moment without giving you the chance to make that decision because God brought you here for a reason. None of us are here today by accident. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you're doing in us. God, I thank you that you meet us where we are. God, in the face of our questions and our doubts, God, that you don't overlook us, you don't, you don't push us aside, you don't discount the things that we're asking, but Lord, you engage us in that place. Lord, I pray for those this morning that are here that, that, that have doubts and questions, Lord, I pray you would give them, Lord, the opportunity to pursue what's behind those doubts, what's behind those questions. Lord, for, for those that are here that have, have been on that journey for a while and they've been They've been pursuing, they're kind of checking things out and they're wondering, well, who is God and what does he stand for and why, why are these questions here and what does this mean? And they've been pursuing those for a while and today is a day of commitment. Today is a day 
to make a decision and a choice. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd begin to confirm that in their hearts and their minds. You'd begin to move on the inside, not just on the outside. And allow their hearts to be ready and open to that choice and decision. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here, you say, Nick, I'm ready to make that decision to follow Jesus. To, to accept his forgiveness for my past, what the Bible calls our sin, our mistakes. And, and to commit to live according to his purpose, his plan, his way of life, that, what, what he called me to. I had my doubts, I had my questions, but I'm ready to make that commitment. I'm ready to make that decision. If that's you this morning, I'm going to count to three. This isn't anything super spiritual. I'm just going to count to three. And on three, I want you to reach your hand toward heaven. It's a physical act of your will to say, Jesus, today I choose you. You've chosen me. Jesus said, come. Today I'm stepping out of the boat. I'm going to reach my hand toward heaven and say, Jesus, I want to accept your forgiveness, that salvation that you purchased on the cross. I want to, I want to step into your purposes, your plans. I want to become the man or woman you created me to be, ultimately. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? Amen. Anyone else today? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. And I'm going to ask everyone that raised their hand, there were a number of you, to pray this prayer. And I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer with me. Not just those that raised your hand, but for those who raised your hand, I want to ask you to not just recite some empty prayer, but allow these words that we're going we're gonna to pray to come from your heart, not just your head, not just something you're reciting. And, and as we pray, this isn't a, a super spiritual magic thing. This is a conversation with God that I want to lead us all in together. And my hope, if you're not familiar with prayer, that's not a regular part of your life, my hope is that this would be the first of many conversations you have with God in your car, in your bedroom, at work, wherever you might be, that, that you can talk to God and have that conversation. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for meeting me where I am. Thank you for not discounting my questions, but loving me through them. Today, I accept your forgiveness. I commit to live according to your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Would you all stand with me together this morning? My hope for us, you know, we're journeying toward Easter. We have a few weeks left. I think it's five weeks left now till Easter. That's four, four weeks left till Easter. That's four fish fries. So you know where you need to go on Friday nights, I guess. Um, as we journey toward Easter, you have friends, family members, coworkers who have questions. Don't discount them because Jesus didn't discount yours. Be willing to have a conversation. Doesn't mean you have to have a three-hour conversation. It might be over a lunch break. I don't know where it might be. It might be at the bus stop dropping your kids off. Be willing to engage those conversations, understanding you don't have to know it all to engage that conversation. You don't have to know everything. All you have to be willing to do is to listen and to journey with someone to find answers. Be willing to engage those questions. Christians have become far too known for writing off questions and doubts. And that's not what Jesus did. It's not the Jesus we read about in Scripture. 
It's time that we start engaging those questions. Be willing to dump, jump into the, the, the journey, the pursuit of answers, and see the destiny that's hiding behind a lot of those doubts. Let's pray before we go. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've blessed us with. Thank you for beautiful weather, for family and friends that gather together every week like this. Lord, I pray throughout this week in the places that you take us, Lord, at school, at home, in our neighborhoods, at the grocery store, in the restaurants, and at, at work, wherever we might be, God, let us be willing to be sensitive and open to those questions that might come our way. Lord, to, to engage those questions because someone engaged them for us. And Lord, to be willing to journey with someone toward the pursuit of truth, of answers. Not, not, not a truth based on feelings, but what we know to be true. God, I thank you for this wonderful church and the blessing that we can be to this world. God, go with us now. Lord, let your face shine upon us and grant us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Have an awesome week and enjoy the weather today. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.